Welcome back to our second episode of the DE Talk podcast. My name is Candy Chambers with Direct Employers, and I am really excited this morning uh, as we have one of our partnership specialists, Mikey Mahar, interviewing a dear friend of Direct Employers, a person by the name of David Muir. You all know that the veteran unemployment rate is now at an all-time low, but studies reveal that nearly one-third of veterans are underemployed. To better understand how employers can connect with veteran job seekers, our team sat down with David Muir from Easter Seals Veteran Staffing Network to discuss all things veteran hiring. From connecting with employers and organizations like Direct Employers to assisting veterans in their transition, this one-man show is assisting veterans in the D.C. metro area and proving that there is more to a veteran resume than what there often appears on paper. Now I'd like to inter- er, introduce Mikey Mahar. Um, she's been with Direct Employers for, I think, two and a half years, and she is one of our outstanding partnership specialists, and she knows a lot of people in the partnership space. So I'm going to let you introduce um, and, and give David's bio, Mikey. All right. Thank you so much, Candy. It's an honor to be here today and to interview David, as Candy was saying. What an impressive resume. Um, To get started and a little bit about David's background, David is the head of a social enterprise project of Easter Seals of the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area of the Veteran Staffing Network. They are dedicated to getting our veterans and their spouses into good jobs and providing top-tier military talent to employers. He led a cradle-to-the-grave government procurement cycle, awarding $4.5 million, including forecast analysis, response to FRI, FRP, proposal development, desktop publishing, project management, instructional design, training documentation, in-person content delivery, report generation, status meetings with government and prime contract representatives, personnel management, and video multimedia production. He created a job searching training workshop that is supported by The Ohio State University and use the Virginia Employment Commission. He acted as a subject matter expert, solution architect, and led instructional designer for the redesign of the Department of Labor Vets Employment Workshop, developed multiple lines of businesses in the government and commercial spaces, recruited for national and international positions, analyzed, optimized, and created multiple systems and training programs, and operate and covered of failing multi-million dollar restaurants. Wow. So, so lucky to have uh, David here with us today. Um, And again, thank you for joining us. Uh, Before we get started, a little background on how uh, David and Direct Employers came to be is Shannon Offord, our Vice President of Partnerships, actually met you, David, about four years ago at an Easter Seals event in Chicago, and you two found out you had a lot in common I think as many people do with Shannon. Um, Prior to meeting you, he actually remembers seeing you on TV and knew of your passion for veterans. From that point, you developed a friendship that ultimately ultimately led into a partnership with direct employers. And you later attended our 2018 annual meeting conference in Seattle, where you and I actually met for the first time um, and presented on the Veteran Staffing Network. So let's start by giving our listeners a little insight, David, into your background. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, You yourself served in the Army. So what was your role and when did you serve? Um, Thank you. I can't believe uh, that whole background was me. Um, I'm sure you got the right time. Um, So anyway, uh, it's an honor to be here and I do value my partnership with you guys. I actually enlisted in the Virginia Army National Guard on my 17th birthday, way back in 1989, um, and was a machine gunner in the infantry for the 29th Light Infantry Division. I did my uh, six years uh, and um, got out in uh, May of 1995 and was uh, fortunate to have served during peacetime and was never really deployed anywhere. And I uh, thought that my military experience had kind of um, was in the rearview mirror. And fast forward many years later, after a culinary and restaurant career, uh, changed into the professional staffing universe, and, and that ultimately led me to designing the Geekspire program, which was job search training 
um, which was sorely needed uh, when the recession began. Um, at that time, the only program that I'd ever heard of to help people learn how to get a job was the TAP program, the Transition Assistance Program put out by the Department of Labor. So in May of 2009, I audited a, a, a transition um, class and uh, saw that it was um, very outdated and still needed some help. And that ultimately led uh, me to finding some teammates and, and leading the first redesign of that employment workshop um, that every service member gets when they exit the military now. Um, and then that led me to, uh, to come into Easter Seals when I heard they wanted to create this fantastic program called the Veteran Staffing Network. Awesome. And you mentioned thinking your military career was in the rearview mirror. So can you tell our listeners how your service and the skills you learned in the military ended up impacting your life moving forward? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's really kind of funny. The, the things that get ingrained to you during your military service uh, that you don't realize, particularly in your youth, discipline, respect, commitment, um, doing things right the first time, trying to be as efficient as possible, uh, constantly being open to being trained on how to do something new, um, just pure resilience. A lot of these things, leadership, you don't even know that you're a project manager when you're in the military, you just do your job. And so all of these things, now, now that I'm on uh, the civilian side and I'm, I've worked in the employment space for nearly two decades, all these different skills that are just a part of wearing the cloth of the nation really are ingrained and, and they don't leave you. Um, it's like riding a bike. Uh, and, and the great thing about um, what we do here at Easter Seals and the Veteran Staffing Network is to help these men and women kind of realize that they have these skills um, so that we can help them uh, and help employers understand what those skills are and how they can be applied to help everybody have a great, meaningful employer-employee relationship. Awesome. All great skills learned as well. And what do you consider out of all those to be the most valuable thing you learned while serving that has kind of launched you um, into helping other veterans getting positions? I think it's the resilience. Never stop. Um, you know, uh, job search is challenging. I think anybody who's looked for a job can, can, uh, can identify with that. It's a stressful thing. Um, it's a, a negative feedback loop a lot of times, and, um, and it can create a lot of uh, despair in some people. And so uh, working with the, the military population um, and helping them kind of see through that despair and, and understand that they have a lot to offer employers and, and how to engage them has, has been something that, that takes fortitude. And, and the fact that we can tap into that resilience um, is exciting. And I've used that resilience throughout my life outside of my profession too. So uh, I would say that that is probably my favorite thing um, about being a, a prior soldier. Great. And in talking about your resilience, we hear you won an award during your service, the Soldier of the Year Award. Can you tell us a little bit about this award and why it's so meaningful to you? Sure. Um, it was a, a company-level award. Um, so out of, uh, I guess, 160-some people, and I'm an old guy now, so the memory, but it's around 160 people in the company between the, the three different platoons we had. Um, they vote on a Soldier of the Year, and I was selected um, to represent our company in the Soldier of the Year. Um, so it was for enlisted um, junior uh, non-commissioned officers. I was a corporal. And so there were a variety of um, tasks that you had to know different duties and, and how to perform your different tasks as an infantry soldier. I got the chance to go represent, and it, was, uh, it, it felt good. Um, you know, anytime your peers select you and, and, and recognize you for being committed to doing the job right uh, was, was pretty, pretty special. And so I, I enjoy that. Great. And I just want to say on behalf of DE and myself, we thank you so much for your service. And while I never served uh, in the military, it's definitely greatly appreciated. Uh, you definitely earned your military badge of honor, that's for sure, or as many veterans have transitioned out of the military, 
they often struggle with where to go next. And that whole question of what skills do I actually have comes into play. So can you talk a little bit about your transition from the military and possibly any apprenticeship programs that you took um, to start your career? Yeah, so I was in college uh, while I was serving in the National Guard. And, you know, my transition out, uh, like I said, I thought I was just kind of done with with the military and and it wasn't going to be something that I needed. And um, what I was studying in school didn't work out. Um, and I was, I had a very lost feeling, um, you know, I was no longer a soldier. I was no longer going to, to be a teacher. And, um, I came across a culinary apprenticeship and, um, ultimately that led me to have a a almost 15 year career in the restaurant industry. Um, but the reason the apprenticeship really resonated with me was, uh, it was a structured training program. Um, that uh, had a definitive end date. It had um, standards of excellence that needed to be achieved in order to complete the apprenticeship over time. And uh, I, I think when you look at that type of a framework, that's the it's very similar to what the military puts in place. There are um, roles, responsibilities, and duties to to being in the military, regardless of branch or what your job category is. And uh, each of those standards needs to be met, and they need to be met with um, with an exceptional level of commitment and performance uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, if uh, if people do things wrong in the military, it could cost lives, and so uh, it's important to take your job very seriously. And so that modality of of learning how to become a soldier and learning how to to train to become a soldier. Uh, fit very well with the, an apprenticeship process. And as, um, as the years have gone by, we're definitely seeing an increase in the number of apprenticeships that are out there uh, to help develop the, the workforce of the future. And you're seeing an awful lot of um, people coming out of the military who are taking advantage of those apprenticeships and, and really getting into some, some great opportunities. And we're talking with the framework of an apprenticeship program um would you consider that when you talk to other veterans, do you highly recommend an apprenticeship program for them after they transition out of the military? Everybody's different, right? But apprenticeships um, are a really great place. If, if you're not sure um, and you want to develop a skill, uh, it's a great structured learning environment. Um, of course, you're going to have others who are, you know, they want to be a, whatever professional they want to be and they have the opportunity to to go and leverage um, some educational benefits and they go to school. But not everybody is meant for college and secondary education like that. So apprenticeship is great. Another um, uh, type of mindset are are entrepreneurs, right? And some people want to go and start a business and they have their own plans. But for those who aren't quite sure how to go about doing that, franchises have become a really, really great tool for a veteran who has an entrepreneurial spirit, um, but he or she may not have that business savvy because franchises have been developed and they've been proven as a successful business model. And so um, you also are seeing a lot of um, new franchise owners come from the military and, and see success. And what did you learn as a veteran job seeker turned staffing professional that you can share with employers who are trying to actively recruit veteran talent? There's a couple of key things. Uh, One is is there's a a difference in the mindset of joining the military and training to become a service member versus a a civilian employer. And what I mean by that is in in the military, they hire for ability and they train for the job. They do a complete assessment of who this person is when they join the military, um, and then they say this this person would be good for these types of jobs, and then they train that person. I didn't learn how to I didn't know how to fire a rifle or, or, or shoot a machine gun before I joined the army. They taught me how to do that. For the civilian workforce, training is expensive, and so finding somebody and and making an investment in training on a new hire is scary. Um, and so they, employers are looking for someone who can, you know, open quote, hit the ground running, close quote. And, and not every veteran has those skills walking in the door, but they are capable of training. 
you can hear a service member frequently say, "Well, just tell me what you want. Tell me what you want me to do. Show me how to do it, and I'll get it done." And that, and that is the mindset that they're ingrained with. So, so there's that chasm to overcome. And then I would say that the second biggest thing that that I've come to learn through my career, as far as the difference between somebody from the military and the civilian workforce, is um, accomplishments. Right. So if if I'm interviewing with you. And all I do is talk about my team, right? Because there's no individual in the military. Everybody does it as a, a unit or a squad or a division or a fleet. And so that's the mindset that that service member, that veteran candidate is now thinking. And the, the reality is that if you're interviewing me, you don't care what my unit, squad, fleet, division did. You want to know what I did. What was my individual accomplishment? Because if I can accomplish things somewhere, else, I can more than likely accomplish things for you as your employee. And so there's um, it, there's another one of those cultural chasms where a lot of times a service member has not reflected on the specific accomplishments that, that he or she had in the military. Um, you know, one of my favorite examples is when I was uh, teaching a TAP class. Um, I had a young man who was uh, coming out of the Navy at 28 years old. And when uh, his homework assignment, everybody's homework assignment was to go home and think of a couple of accomplishments that we could talk about on their resume. And when he came in, he said, uh, you know, Dave, I, I can't think of anything. And so I said, all right, well, well what do you do in the Navy? And he said, well, I'm the right-hand man to the air boss. And I said, stop right there. First of all, I'm Army. I don't know what an air boss is, and a good chance nobody else does either. Do you guys know what an air boss is, out of curiosity? No. No? Okay. So the air boss is the officer on an aircraft carrier who's in charge of all the aircraft, 300-some-ish aircraft. And that person is constantly so focused on the aircraft that are actually in the air flying around that this young man from the age of, you know, late 25 to 28 was in charge of the flight deck of an aircraft carrier. So this person was scheduling two to 300 people. He was managing safety training, and uh, by the way, he was responsible for putting $20 billion of the United States property in the air in a 10-minute scramble drill. And, you know, when I brought that kind of stuff to his attention, he said, gosh, I never thought about it that way. I just did my job. And that's really one of the biggest chasms uh, and something that a, a, an employer who's looking to hire veterans can can take away is don't just ask a question and and not probe because a lot of times that that veteran candidate has not done the reflection of their individual accomplishments inside the the role of performing their duties if that makes sense yes definitely Uh, that was a very great example Um, and i'm sure a lot of employers will uh definitely take that into consideration when interviewing uh future veteran um, employees so to kind of bring us into our, our next topic you had a long journey to get to where you are today, from active duty to staffing work, to then redesigning the Department of Labor's Employment Workshop in the Transition Assistance Program, otherwise known as TAP. Tell us a little bit about the program you redesigned and what that means for veterans and employers. Um, well, I want to be candid and, and first day I was never on active duty as a National Guardsman. I, I got fortunate it was not called up. Uh, although I would have loved to. Um, I just think that the National Guard people were the first ones to show the video of pulling out of helicopters and blowing stuff up real good, so they got me first. Um, but um, the the Department of Labor's Employment Workshop um, is part of the overall uh, transition assistance program. And um, when uh, I audited the class in, in 2009, it was, it was an outdated program, candidate. Um, it was based on job search, um, tools and techniques that were used in the late 90s. Um, you know, there was really no uh, mention of social media and how tools like uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter could be used to, to help market yourself. It didn't have any of that content. There were no um, scripts to really help educate um, the, the individual on how to engage an employer. Uh, it was just kind of, here's a basic what a resume looks like, and, and here's what you should do, and here's how you fill out a job application. And it was two and a half days, um, and it wasn't even mandatory back then. 
And so um, the curriculum that I had designed was really built for um, a person who knew nothing about job search and they wanted to do it themselves and they wanted to do it the right way. And so I took all the techniques that I use as a professional staffing um, business person from um, approaching prospective employers and, and, and talking to them and getting them to, to do business with me and everything I did to, to recruit a candidate and, and polish up that person's resume and make that match happen. Uh, it's not rocket science. Job search just has a thousand little things that could go wrong. And so the goal was to help them navigate that so that they could successfully find their own job. Uh, and the really exciting thing about that redesign back in 2011 um, was it was really a, a joint effort, right? So the, the federal government from the Office of the Secretary of Defense, all five branches of the Department of Defense, um, the Department of Labor, uh, everybody recognized we had this unemployment crisis uh, throughout the country, but really in the veteran population, it was gigantic. And so uh, in addition to, to having the, the, the privilege to go ahead and lead that redesign, um, it, it was made mandatory. So everybody, more than 200,000 people leave the military every year. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but everybody is mandated to go, to go through that training. And it's really, you know, if you look at the difference between unemployment back then when you had uh, particularly first-term enlisted populations at, at nearly 30% unemployment rate to what it is today, it's really staggering. And then the exciting thing is not only was that first revision done back in 2011, but jointly um, the government has continued to make refinements and improvements on that um, and, and to modernize it and help get employers on board as well. So you mentioned you um, built the program from in terms of the lens, as someone who knew nothing about the job search and how they can navigate that, um, was that your main goal in determining what was most important for veterans to learn through this job search process? You know, I think it's, it's important for everybody uh, because everybody needs a job. But the unique challenges that um, people leaving the military face when it comes to job search uh, was really important, right? So... Um, helping them understand skills translators. Um, there's a, a website called ONET Online that's uh, put together by uh, the Department of Labor that has a military skills occupational code translator to help them understand and, and, and just helping to provide these men and women with additional tools that help them overcome these challenges based on their unique experience it was really rewarding. And um, it's been exciting to see more tools develop over time to help these folks. It was important to make sure that these men and women were prepared, and not only veterans, but also their family members. Keep in mind that military spouses uh, are still very, uh, their unemployment numbers are still very, very high comparative to the rest of the workforce. And that's because these men and women face unique challenges where they're bouncing around the planet um, every couple, three years. There's stigmas around hiring a military spouse or a family member. And so there's still a lot of work to do, and, and there's... Um, there's a big effort to continue to push and make that happen. But yeah, when I designed this program, there, it had to be tweaked a little bit to make sure that it was accommodating to the special challenges that service members face. Is this curriculum still in use today with the TAP program? Uh, yes. Um, some of my original content is there. Um, but like I said, they continue to make refinements and adjustments. Um, I don't think any training program really cannot evolve uh, if we think of just how different the world is in 2019 compared to what it looked like in 2011. Um, social media has become a much bigger influencer when it comes to job search. You know, um, fax machines used to be a way people communicated with resumes back in the you know early 2000s. When was the last time you faxed the document? Um, you know, so the, the program has continued in evolution the Department of Labor. Uh, particularly their, um, the Veterans Employment and Training Service, has continually pushed out and had curriculum review and curriculum revisions. But the last time I looked two years ago, my original scripts for engaging employers were still verbatim in that training, and that's, that's exciting. Very exciting. And that brings us uh, to the GigSpire curriculum. Is something you still use in your work for Easter Seals Veteran Staffing Network, for those listeners who aren't maybe as familiar with the Veteran Staffing Network and its mission, can you tell us about your work? 
Sure. So um, after at the beginning of uh, 2012, I took a little break um, from the you know the redesign was pretty heavy lifting um, at the end of 2011, um, and then uh, towards the the beginning of the fall, right around now actually, uh, back in 2011, I caught wind that Easter Seals wanted to build this really innovative program to help veterans and their families. Uh, and it was around job search, and, and it caught my ear. Um, what they wanted to do was create the first self-sustaining employment solution for veterans and their families. You see, employment programs throughout history have always been funded by the government, um, and, and that comes with limitations on who can access that training. Right, the training is all delivered on the base, and if I've been out and I don't have base access, I can't get to it. If the class is full, a spouse may not be able to get to it. Kids may not be able to get to it. Caregivers of wounded warriors can't get to it. Um, and so uh, I thought it was kind of cool that they wanted to build this inclusive thing, and I don't know how much you know about Easter Seals. All I knew is they did nice things for people, and uh, something with handicapped kids, and, and uh, but that was all I knew, right? And Easter Seals, quite frankly, I think is the, the biggest and most best-kept secret about a wonderful organization. Uh, we've been around 100 years. We started in Chicago as a society for crippled children because our founder saw that these kids needed someone to be their champion. Um, today, we have 74 affiliate partners all across the country, and we are very much a grassroots community-based service organization where we develop programs that our communities need to help everybody live, learn, work, and play in their own communities in an inclusive environment. So the Veteran Staffing Network um, was just an innovative extension of uh, already rich history of innovation with Easter Seal. Uh, and our mission really is to be completely inclusive of veterans or family members from any era to help provide them access training to be able to get a job, um, to help them be able to navigate that, that black hole job search, negative feedback, to help them understand who and what they are when they leave military service, and to identify those skills that are valuable, um, to help identify career paths that are meaningful for that person, not just a job, but a real career that's fulfilling. Um, so we've got career coaches on staff, and, and, and the Gig Scryer program, quite frankly, was meant to do just that. Um, and so the way that we pay for our services instead of relying on grants is um, we engage the business community under the adoption of a, of a commercial staffing firm model, right? So um, our employer partners are organizations that pay for staffing services. Um, they work with temps, they work with headhunters. I'm a headhunter, right? No bone in my nose, though. Um, that's funny, come on. Um, anyway, so uh, we work with these businesses. We help identify um, the types of candidates that they're looking for, and then we go and find them from the veteran community. And then when we place those individuals in a job, whether it's a temp to hire job or a direct placement opportunity, the fee we collect from our employer partner rolls back into the program. And that's what pays for our career coaches and our infrastructure to be able to deliver this social mission. Um, and, and we don't have to worry about who can and can't access the training. If somebody wants it, we're here to help them. And to date, we've placed more than 1,200 people in 30 states in a variety of industries from big to small companies. And those revenues have allowed us to provide uh, career coaching support to more than 12,000 people. It's really exciting. The program just continues to get bigger and bigger. As a matter of fact, we just finished our biggest year yet. Uh, and we're excited to see continued growth and, you know, partnership with direct employers is, is just another way that that happens. Wow. Those are some really awesome numbers and congrats on it being the best year yet. Um, I mean, we definitely want to keep partnering with you and do anything we can to help um, place veterans in positions. And, and I got to say, you have the best of both worlds um, with helping veterans while assisting employers with their needs. Sounds like you're wearing a lot of different hats um, at Veteran Staffing Network and in charge of everything from employer relations to veteran support, this is definitely a huge undertaking. Would you mind explaining your process of how employers utilize your service? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, really it starts with a conversation. Um, is there business one that um, you know can work with a staffing service? Let's face it, not every business um, uses staffing 
support services. It's not an expense, right? So does that organization work with a staffing service? Um, and if so, in what capacity? What types of jobs are they looking to fill um, through our service? And so we had that initial discussion. It's, it's, uh, are we going to be good business partners discussion? Just like any other ordinary business discussion. Um, once it's determined, uh, we put a, an agreement to do work in place. We have conversations with their HR or recruiting managers, their, their frontline hiring authorities, um, and really kind of understand in depth exactly what this candidate should look like. What kind of skills do they need to have? What are some of the intangibles that would tip the scales one candidate versus another? How do we, um, once we find a candidate, how do we get them through our employer partners process? Um, you know, what are the evaluation criteria? And then our recruiters and our career coaches go to work. And uh, we've established partnerships um, in a variety of organizations, um, in addition to direct employers, but we've also got partnerships with major veteran service organizations like the American Legion and the AMVET and the VFW. We've established partnerships with government organizations like the Army Reserve, uh, the Department of Labor, and the Department of Veterans Affairs, the federal level, and their respective state counterparts know who we are. Um, Student Veterans of America is one of our great partners. The Association of the U.S. Army just became one of our partners uh, just last month. And so when we start casting a net to find veterans and, and service members and their families, you know, we'll pulse these organizations because there's no magic way to reach all veterans. And each one of these organizations has access to a unique population of people from the military universe. Uh, you know, when we are looking for spouses, we go to the Blue Star Families, the Military Spouse Employment Partnership, and to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is hiring our heroes. And so they help push the word out and really amplify the message to our military community about the employer partner um, that we have and the position that, that we're trying to fill. We screen that individual, and then we put them uh, through the evaluation process internally, and then through the evaluation process with our employer partner. And um, it's not always a match, but that's our hope all the time is that we can find the right person. And for um, those organizations that are working with us, we offer free consultation on um, how to develop a robust military employment program uh, so that they can become a military-friendly employer, a recognized place. Um, we love to, I like to say I'm the only staffing organization that wants to work themselves out of the client, right? We, we come in, we see an organization with veterans and their families. We help train the organization through uh, the development of an executive champion and the creation of the right types of marketing materials with their advertising and marketing teams to make sure that they're pushing the message out to the right place to working with their recruiters and their hiring managers on asking interview questions in a way that'll, that'll really help them find the skills. Uh, I like to call it pool interviewing. Um, an example I love to give there is, you know, as a 23-year-old machine gunner walking out of the woods, if, if I was interviewing with you and you said, tell me about your customer service skills, I, I'd look at you funny. Right? They taught me how to hide behind rocks, trees, and bushes and blow stuff up real good. What do you mean customer service? Right? Um, but if that, if that question was framed just a little differently to be, uh, you know, David, tell me about a time where you had to help somebody. You didn't know who they were, never seen them before, but you had to make, take care of their problem. Well, I had dozens of stories, you know, Major Smith rolled up and his Humvee wasn't there. And I didn't know who Major Smith was, but I had to run and find a duty sergeant to get the, and that's essentially customer service. I just didn't know that's what it was called. Right. And so asking questions in a way to help that, that veteran candidate think through his or her accomplishments and, and really be able to talk and identify that all the way to the development of uh, retention programs because, you know, notoriously um, some statistics have demonstrated that veterans uh, tend to change jobs um, after a year when they first get out. And, and sometimes that's because they've been mishired. Uh, but a lot of times it's just because the, the retention concept is not there. So we help uh, our employer partners develop low cost um, and easy to implement retention programs. And so that whole service is wrapped up and, and eventually that employer will have veterans coming to them uh, without us. And, and then we go on to the next business and we do that all over again. Wow. All great information again. And, and mentioning um, retention programs, 
is that something that you would say separates your staffing agency over others that place veterans or kind of walk us through a little bit about what separates you from the rest of the agencies? I think it's all the back end stuff, right? So having been in a commercial staffing firm before, if, uh, you know, the way I earn money is to make a placement. And so if, if I provide a candidate to you who is not a fit, that candidate's not going to hear from me again. I'm going to say, sorry, you didn't get the job and that's it. Uh, whereas our program, we, we want to know why, because that person is going to get triaged to a career coach. We're going to talk to them about why they weren't a fit, why they did not interview properly, um, you know, uh, or effectively so that we can help that person be better prepared for the next one. That's not happening in a commercial staffing firm. Um, in no way is a, is an organization commercially that, that staffing veterans going to try and help that employer become better at hiring veterans so that they don't need them anymore. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It is the it is the give back nature of what Easter Seals is. That is all the difference in the world. So, uh, although I have no problem with with uh, companies that are, are working for profit and and their um, one of their specialties is veteran or military, it is the it is the back end community based service that Easter Seals offers through the Veteran Staffing Network that is. That is all the difference in the world. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers for everybody we place, every veteran or family member that we place, between four and six other people are receiving support services in some form or fashion. And that, and that is the most awesome part about our program and why I would encourage every business out there that's uh, working with staffing firms to give us a try. And you mentioned earlier about uh, putting up big numbers and placing veterans this year. Overall, throughout the years, can you give um, a number about how many employers and veterans you've connected through the years? Well, I mean, excuse me, we've touched an awful lot of people over the years, um, and we've and we've worked with a variety of industries, um, but we can always use more. Right, I'm always looking for more employers. Uh, we currently have, I think, more than seventy different organizations. Um, that are doing business with us at any given time. Um, that number ebbs and flows. Um, hopefully, it'll it'll increase after uh, our podcast um, effort here today. Um, so we're always looking Absolutely. for more employers who, who are looking to hire better. Okay, and that and that brings us to for all our uh, members out there listening and who who would want to connect with you. What areas do you service? So if an employer does want to work with you, do they need to be located in a designated area? Nope. We serve um, all 50 states and Puerto Rico and D.C. If that's a territory, too. Probably try Guam, uh, although I haven't had a chance there yet. I'm waiting to get a client out in Hawaii because I really need to make a client visit out there. Awesome. Um, well, we support the we support the entire nation. Um, you know, what we're looking for are living wage jobs. Right, so when you think about someone who comes out after eight years in the service, they might have a spouse and a couple of kids, and taking a ten, twelve dollar an hour job is not really going to be able to provide for their families. Um, but sometimes it's all they can find, um, and that has led to the underemployment of our of our, our veteran workforce um, because they. Um, are taking these low-paying jobs, they've got to work two and three jobs just to keep the lights on. And that, and that impacts families a lot. And it, and it happens all across the country, but it, it's, um, it's been a bit notorious for the veteran population. Um, so, uh, you know, it depends on where the, country, where the company is working. Um, you know, the, the greater the population, the greater the number of veterans that are in that area. But the, the reality is there's veterans everywhere in the country. Um, some who just got out, some who've been out like myself, you know, gosh, coming up on 30 years. Oh my gosh, 30 years. So I'm old. What can I say? Oh, that's but, nice. uh, you... <laughs> um, so during many conversation, you, you've shared some stories about veterans that you've helped, many of which have incredible life stories. Could you share a story with us that maybe comes to mind and, and how you've helped that individual find their way into their new career? Um, my favorite one uh, is Renee. 
Um, now, Renee was a 19-year Coast Guard spouse. Um, they had four beauty stations during the, the tenure of her husband's career, which is kind of unusual. A lot of Coast Guard um, families kind of stay in the same area. And then uh, he separated from service, and they separated from their marriage. So Renee kind of found herself in a new place. And she reached out to go and get access to the spouse um, PAC programs um, so that she could kind of get some help. And uh, she was actually denied access. Want to take a stab at why, out of curiosity? Educate me. Uh, educate me. Well, <laughs> so the Department of Defense, uh, has the TAP program, right? They, they, they offer that. Um, but the Department of Homeland Security actually owns the Coast Guard, so she didn't qualify back then. One of those little, one of those little bureaucratic things that nobody caught um, until Renee ran into it, right? Um, but the really cool thing is, even though Renee fell through the cracks there, um, the Veteran Staffing Network in Easter Seals was created to catch people who fall through the cracks. And so we were able to um, help provide some pretty intensive career coaching for Renee. Uh, this was several years back. And um, though I haven't talked to her in a couple of years, um, she went off and found a pretty meaningful um, career in journalism and photography, uh, working for a couple of local papers, and that was very fulfilling for her. Um, one of my more recent uh, favorite stories is a lady by the name of Jennifer. She's a former um, Army soldier, uh, and she was in uh, munitions. And, uh, you know, her job was to, is to ship things that go boom all around the world um, in support of our warfighters. Uh, she had a pretty good career, um, left after about nine years, um, but she had some, some medical issues that kind of came up um, that surfaced after she'd already begun working. She was a project manager for an IT company. She was doing pretty well. Um, and then she had uh, some complications from her service arrive that required her to miss five and a half months to include several surgeries um, and one brain surgery. And uh, then she was unable to find a job and unable to find a job. And ultimately her uh, car was repossessed and she was facing foreclosure um, after having been unemployed for eight, nine months, something like that. And we were able to work with Jen and uh, first of all, help her remember that uh, she's a very valuable person in the workforce and then connect them with one of our uh, employer partners. Um, <clears throat> she went on attempt to hire assignment and they converted her about six months ago and she's thriving and been promoted twice since we placed her. Um, and so I've got hundreds of stories like that. The, the program has touched so many lives and, and it's really exciting to be a part of something so special. Wow, that's fantastic. And I've got to imagine that helping other veterans impacts you daily. Does that provide you with more drive um, to continue to keep placing um, your fellow veterans as well? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, no one's left behind. I think everybody's probably heard that um, cliche, but it really is true. And uh, even though there's um, interbranch banter, right, Army gives Navy a hard time, Marines give us a hard time. You know, everybody gives the Air Force a hard time. The Air Force laughs because they sit in air conditioning. Um, you know, but when you get in, when you get on this side of the fence, right? Everybody is military here, and, and we really do want to help our brothers and sisters um, have a successful life. There's a, a unique camaraderie having been part of the military community that um, you don't know unless you've been there, and that's why you'll find that the majority of Programs designed to support military um, are typically staffed by people from prior service because if you haven't if you haven't been in their shoes, you can't relate properly. It's a it's a unique brotherhood sisterhood scenario. So yeah, I, I I get to go to work instead of have to go to work every day. Yeah, and you have had a true impact in so many people's lives, and I'm sure your experience you've encountered with so many people, um, you love to help them. And, and any savvy employer knows that veterans bring skills like leadership, teamwork, and dedication to their workforce. But there are some myths associated with veteran hiring. What are some myths that you can dispel when it comes to hiring veterans? Well, you know, the first one that, 
that really comes to mind is uh, PTS or PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, There's a myth that everybody leaving the military has it. And I'm not going to say people leaving the military, uh, I'm not going to say some people do not have it, or some people do have PTS or PTSD. But um, are you aware that at any given time, about 9% of your workforce has some level of, of post-traumatic stress? Um, whether it's uh, you've been in a car crash or, um, you know, several years ago my son was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, one might say those are post-traumatic stress issues that are created based on life circumstances. So, uh, you know, the big myth is, one, not every veteran has post-traumatic stress disorder. And two, um, veterans have unique support systems. Um, the military is watching for post-traumatic stress uh, prior to someone leaving. And once they leave, they have access to support services that I would argue the, the general civilian population does not. Um, so that's one. Uh, you know, there are other myths, like veterans are too rigid um, well, understand we're used to working in a system and we're used to being efficient. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of civilian employ uh, civilian workers who, um, can feel threatened by the fact that a veteran will come in and they will, they, they work very efficiently. And, you know, I had one person when I got out say, Hey, don't make me look so bad. You know? Um, so I would, I would say that, um, you know, the myths about veterans being hard workers is true for the most part. But the myths about them all having PTSD, not true whatsoever. Um, and we can joke and we can play and have fun, but we're not ones to hang out at the water cooler when there's work to be done. And and I think that that's, um, that sometimes leads people to think that, that veterans can be a bit too rigid. It's just because we're used to being, uh, we're used to getting the job done now so we don't have to do it later yeah, definitely. And with so many uh, employers have great veteran outreach and hiring initiatives, but it has taken time, money, and resources to get to that point. What advice moving forward do you have for employers that are just beginning their journey to hiring more veterans? Uh, well, first, it, it, it takes a commitment. Okay, um, And you're right, the, the organizations that have invested in this and they have the resources and the manpower to, to be able to create these programs are thriving without a doubt. Um, but for those businesses who, who aren't sure how to get it started, first thing I'd recommend is, is, is come work with me, right? Let me help you get some veterans in house and, and provide you that consultation. Um, <clears throat> I would say you definitely need to know how many veterans do you have working in your organization. Um, you need an executive champion, someone who's going to drive the message uh, not only publicly uh, and say, you know, ABC company is going to hire veterans, but then also communicate that message throughout the organization, right? They're going to have to be sitting at the executive table to, to ensure that there's a budget carved out for the veteran hiring initiative, whatever that might look like for your organization. They're going to have to let recruiters and hiring managers know that it's okay to take a risk on a veteran candidate just because their resume is not perfect. Um, it's going to have to be a priority from the top down. Um, other things to do is to, to plug in with your local. Um, each state has their own veterans um, service, right? It's operated. Um, and there's typically a veteran employment service inside of that department, inside that division of the government. Um, get to know them. <clears throat> Go out into the field and find your America One or your uh, American Job Center uh, at the Career One Stop. There's a, a person who our tax dollars are paying for at each one of these places called a DVOP or a LEVER. Um, that stands for Disabled Veteran Outreach Program, DVOP, or LEVER, Local Veteran Employment Representative. Find out who that person is. Sometimes it's the same person. Sometimes different people hold those offices because those folks are responsible for identifying the veterans who are looking for work in that community and building relationships with the employers who want to hire them. Um, if you have a military installation nearby, reach out to the transition office and let them know that you exist. Um, start working with veterans when it comes to reviewing resumes. So there's a lot of internal things that, that don't cost a lot of money, but they do take time and resources. And, 
the first thing starts with the desire to be successful and having an executive who's going to sponsor that mission and then talking to the professionals who are in that space to help you get there. And to bring us to our, our last question, flipping the script for a second, you just touched on those companies who are just beginning or yeah, beginning the veteran hiring process. But for those companies with extremely established programs already, what recommendations can you provide to help them keep growing and expanding their current programs? Uh, first, keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. If you're being successful hiring veterans, keep it up. Um, <clears throat> the second is give back, right? So um, find organizations. Reach out to organizations who are interested in developing veteran hiring programs. Um, and, and provide some mentorship and stewardship to these organizations so, so that they, too, can implement. Sharing best practices. Hilton is one of the greatest ones. Um, Hilton was a, kind of at the forefront um, and just a unique retention program they created. If you go to Hilton next time, look at the name badges on the people who are working in the property. And if they're prior service, you're going to see their branch insignia on their name tag. Just a little small thing. Easy to do. doesn't cost very much means a lot, and I've seen a lot of other organizations adopt that idea, just because it makes sense. So if you're an established program, give back. That's really what makes the difference. Yes, I think we could all agree on that. And to end on a, a personal note, um, we've seen your foodie picks, and we know you're a great cook. Um, did you have a passion for cooking prior um, to your military services, or was that something you came about after your service? I did not. I was a barbarian who ate <laughs> bad food and canned vegetables and, and drank soda. I really had no idea about the world of food. Uh, came up from a pretty blue-collar environment in western Pennsylvania. And, you know, we had our meatloaf and our government cheese, so I didn't really know. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> once I started my apprenticeship, I started working in professional kitchens. And, uh, I, I, first of all, I gained like 35 pounds because I ate everything in sight. I had no idea how good food could be. And, uh, was really fortunate to be around some amazing chefs that, that taught me an awful lot. And, and now I eat very well. Awesome. Well, ne well, next time we get you in here to DE, you're going to have to whoop something up for everybody. We'll, we'll get a That's menu a going here soon. <laughs> um, but Thank you again so much, David, for joining us. This was really great information, and I bet a lot of our members will be reaching out to you soon. Um, it's been an honor to pick your brain and learn more about the Veter Veteran Staffing Network. And for our listeners, you can connect with David in the Partner Marketplace on DE Connect or via Twitter by following at David Muir Jr. And as always, by emailing him, dmuir at eseal.org. We'll link all of this info in a short blog post as well, so you can grab all of these links later. On behalf of Candy and I, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the DE Talk podcast. With so many great topics to cover, be sure to follow Direct Employers on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and subscribe to the DE Talk podcast to receive notifications of new episodes available each month. Thanks for listening.